0: Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. Hello. How crazy is it to think that in about 65 days we're at Christmas? That means we're coming to the end of the year. And often at this time we begin to feel tired and weary from the work throughout the year, But we also reflect on things from the past. And today as I speak, I trust that you would find a confidence to remove the negative influences from your past and walk in forward-focused faith into the future. Because through Christ, your past is no excuse for the fullness of God's promises that he wants to manifest in your future. And so today I want to specifically bring clarity to those that have been taught to believe that somehow family or people from our past who have sinned or done evil things have the power to hold us back from God's blessing for our future. This idea that people from our past can hold unseen power over us has been labelled by those who teach it as bloodline curses. And it's led people on hunts into their past in an attempt to identify and break the supposed power of sin placed in their family bloodline by a relative at some stage in history. An article on this idea of bloodline curses that I saw said this for example. It said you need to learn how to break a curse. Scripture is clear that That God visits the iniquity or the wickedness of the fathers upon the children up to the third and fourth generation. And then they reference Exodus 20 verse 5 in their writings. This article went on to say, curses don't visit your family without a cause. When someone up the family tree gives spirits the right to visit because of iniquity, they come looking for a reason to mess up your life. Now, this is an incorrect understanding of scripture. In fact, Exodus chapter 20 verse 5, which they reference, is actually describing the self inflicted consequences other generations experience because of one person's decision to reject God. It's not a spiritual curse or spell that's cast. But let's pretend the idea of bloodline curses was correct. Then we would ask the question, if a person or relative sin or evil can potentially negatively impact God's future for my life, how am I able to overcome the curse cast by someone else? The problem here is that that's the wrong question to ask in the first place, because no matter how hard you try, you can't overcome the consequence of sin in your own strength, but God can. In Matthew chapter 19 in scripture, Jesus is explaining salvation from the wages of sin for mankind, and his followers ask him, how is this possible? How is it possible that they can be salvation for mankind in his sin? And Jesus says in Matthew Matthew chapter 19 verse 26. With people, as far as it depends on them, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In fact, Jesus came to overcome the curse of man's sin and wickedness, which was death, all the way from the beginning of human history when Adam first sinned against God. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 17 in the message translation articulates it beautifully when it says, You know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in, first sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. But the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelt it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life. The separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous, life-giving gift The verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand, though, one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that one man, Jesus Christ, provides? Our deliverance from past sin that could affect our future is found in Jesus alone. He is the only one who could set everything right. So. Adam sinned at the beginning of human history, and the curse of sin was death for all of us. We were born into the bloodline curse of Adam's humanity. And Psalm 51 verse 5 says, I was brought forth in a state of wickedness. In sin my mother conceived me, and from my beginning I too was sinful. This is the bloodline curse we're born into as humans. You and I were born into the bloodline curse of Adam, and we can't overcome this curse, but in Jesus we can. And so we have the good news written in the pages of history from Romans chapter 10 verse 13 that says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, no longer do we need to just inherit the curse of sin, which has been carried on the bloodline of Adam, but we can be saved as if born again of the Spirit of God, not man. And that is being reborn, John chapter 3, verse 3 in Scripture reflects where Jesus answers a man asking about salvation. And he says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. So we are born again, saved from the curse of sin through Christ. But we so often see salvation as our future life in eternity and we can feel like as we walk toward our salvation in heaven one day the devil is using the power of people's past wickedness to keep us from getting there in our present. But this is just a strategic move in which the devil deceives you into giving power to a past Jesus has already saved you from. You see, salvation in Jesus, when we call on the name of the Lord and we're reborn of the Spirit, not from the bloodline of Adam's sin, that means that salvation in that moment is in its fullness both past, present, and future. Therefore, we don't need to give power to a past Jesus has already saved us from. Romans chapter 6 verse 10 in scripture says, For the death that Jesus died, he died to sin, ending its power and paying the sinner's debt once and for all. Once and for all, past, present and future. And if we acknowledge this, it means that every time we begin trying to break a bloodline curse from a person in the past, we are effectively trying to resurrect Adam, whose seed of sin Jesus defeated once and for all. If Jesus broke the sinful bloodline of Adam right from the beginning of time, once and for all, nothing and no one can ever undo it. Not your Satanist uncle, your Freemason grandfather, the person that abused you or anyone else. Their power to determine your future is gone. Because what God has done, no one can undo. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 13 says, From eternity to eternity I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand." no one can undo what I have done. We don't have to strive to break bloodline curses because Jesus already did. And that means we live surrendered under God's blessing, not man's curse. Yet the only time we allow the past to have power is when we try to undo what Jesus has already done for us. And the enemy, the devil, often tries to convince us to give power to things that Jesus has already defeated. And when we do that, when we spend our time obsessing, looking back, trying to hunt down the culprit that's responsible for keeping us from the future God has, we are in many ways framing our future in fear of the past instead of walking forward in faith. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14, from the Amplified Version of the Bible, the Apostle Paul speaks of the principle of forward-focused faith when he writes, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul here was saying, as a follower of Jesus, I need to keep my focus forward in Christ's footsteps. We let go of the past behind us that Jesus has already dealt with, and we look forward in faith to our God-given destiny. Now, although we're speaking about the fact that the past doesn't determine our future, we're not denying the necessity of sometimes acknowledging the past in order to move forward. You see, when we follow Jesus, he leads us in our past, justifying us, in our present, sanctifying us, and in our future, glorifying us. Let me explain. First of all, he leads us in our past, justifying us. To be justified is a legal term. It's like God declaring nothing from your past will be held against you. It's the pardoning of an offense. And when God pardons our offense and our sin, he embraces us as his children that inherit his heavenly riches, not our earthly ramifications. We no longer inherit the curse of humanity because we've been justified and become children of God, inheriting the riches of heaven. Yet sometimes going into our past is all about the preparation for our great future because the past has no right to steal our future potential. We've been justified. Jesus leads us in our salvation through our past as we are justified and then in our present as we are sanctified. Now to sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart for the use intended by its designer. That means if God sets you apart from anything outside of his purposes, he will remove the threats from the past that would seek to restrain his will for your life. The process of sanctification is shaping you to be the best version of your true self without the labels from other people and your past. Jesus leads us in our past by justifying us, in our present sanctifying us, and then into our future glorifying us. You see, we live in our humanity, being shaped into all God has called us to be until we take hold of the fullness of our inheritance as his children in eternity, raised to life with incorruptible bodies like Christ's body of glory. As I think of our victory our salvation, and the power of Jesus, which means our past is never an excuse for our future. I'm reminded of that victory declared in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, that says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. There's so much bad news that we face every day. And today I want to give you good news. The good news is this, that Jesus leads you out of the curses of the past while setting you apart for his purposes in the present as you move closer to his promises in the future. And with that good news in mind, I want to leave you with two questions today. Who or what from your past are you allowing to negatively impact your present life and your potential future? Number two, what practical steps can you take to remove that influence and walk in forward-focused faith? My prayer for you today is that you would experience Jesus leading you out of the curses of the past while setting you apart for his purposes in the present as you move closer to his promises in the future.